hello, hello. What is up, everybody? Hope everybody is having a wonderful Friday. Football season is back. First game of the preseason, the Hall of Fame game happened last night. Very unexciting game for the NFL's first game. However, Steelers pulled out a win 16-3 against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to have football back. It's amazing. I have so many things to talk about once football season starts or we start getting into it. But uh, for all of you listeners out there on iHeartRadio or on Spotify, thank you for coming back and listening again. If you know of anybody who would like the podcast, please share uh, the All In Man Cave podcast with your host, me, Cole Haight. And we're going to talk some football today. We're going to talk some news, and then we're going to round out the AFC Divisional Recaps with the AFC East being the last division for us to do a recap for for the AFC. Hopefully by next week, we're going to knock out two episodes per week next week and we're going to get the NFC done in the next two weeks for the beginning of the NFL football season. Uh, so very excited to get some football. Football's back. I'm so excited. I can barely contain myself right now. So let's talk about a few things that I've seen in the last week in in the NFL. So vaccinated players versus non-vaccinated players is a huge issue right now in the NFL. Your team, the way it is set up with the vaccinated and unvaccinated players based on the protocols that they need to do, it basically isolates players that are unvaccinated. So Kirk Cousins being one of those players, I'm a Vikings fan, I follow him. He's one of those players. It's a personal decision. I am not in a certain situation right now to tell him how to live his life and get the vaccination. I am completely vaccinated, and I'm open and honest about that. I thought it was the best idea for me personally. So I'm not going to be the one to tell him that he needs to get vaccinated. But you, you understand that these players are putting other players at risk and putting their team at risk by not getting vaccinated. They're going to miss games based on being a close contact versus people that are already fully vaccinated. You got players that have gotten one shot that haven't gotten another shot. So the issue is, is what I think is going to start happening with these teams that have low rates of players that are fully vaccinated is they're going to start having insurance options. And they're going to start cutting players for depth on their rosters. And they're going to start getting other players as insurance options for when these players cannot go because they're either close contacts, they get COVID, or what have you during the situation. So, for instance, let's say for the Eagles, let's say that Jalen Hurts is unvaccinated. They don't have another quarter. They have Joe Black, Joe Flacco on the on the roster, but say they want a they want a better option at quarterback besides Jalen Hurts. Now Jalen Hurts could be a close contact five weeks in a row. You have no idea, or it could not happen at all. But they're going to have a, an insurance option via maybe Jimmy G, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. They pick up Jimmy Garoppolo and pay him twenty six million dollars to be an insurance option. And where is that money coming from? They're going to have to cut $26 million worth of players to be under the cap or to at least be close to the cap so that they're not over. Now, these insurance options are going to ruin football, and the depth of football teams is the reason why people and specifically good teams in the NFL get far into the playoffs because they have depth. They have more than two corners that can perform. They have more than two tackles that can perform. They have more than two quarterbacks that can perform. 
So this is what I'm seeing with these unvaccinated players. I understand I understand your personal choice to not get vaccinated. But like everybody else in America and in the world, sometimes you got to sacrifice something. If you're going to get paid multiple millions of dollars a year to play the game that you love, sometimes you have to give stuff up. I was a manager at some point of a warehouse. I was a salaried employee. I was working more than 40 hours a week. I felt like I wasn't being compensated. I took a lesser paying job because the stress wasn't worth my time. Now I'm getting paid less money, but I'm happier. There you go. Similar situation. You might have to give something up in this world if you want what you wanted your entire life, which is to be in the NFL. All these players always wanted to be in the NFL. They wouldn't be doing it if they weren't. They're putting their bodies at risk. They, they want to make big money playing the game that they love. And I understand that, like I said, your opinion and what you feel for your own personal self, I can never tell you that's wrong. I can't disagree with you, but I can tell you that it's going to hurt your team unless you go an entire season without being a close contact or not missing a game. It, uh, it's it's a rough subject to talk about because at, at the same time, you're talking about players' values personally versus players' values as a part of the team. And yes, there might be some sort of, if you do your research about COVID and you feel like the, uh, the, the substances in the vaccine are going to alter the, your personal health or you have a, a personal health issue already and the stuff that's in the vaccine may hurt that. But it protects other people from possibly catching it. That's just my personal view. And I, I have health problems. I, I have, I'm a type 1 diabetic. So it, it's very important that I got the vaccine so that I didn't get COVID. But we don't know what's going on with these players that choose to not get it. Whether it be personal issues or what have you. But it is going to alter the way the football season plays out this season. I'm going to I'm going to keep a close eye on it because I'm I'm we're going to do multiple segments during the season to see these players that have to miss games, these players that have to they can't spend time with their wide receiver group if they're a quarterback because they could be a close contact but don't want to be. It's a very sticky situation and the NFL as a business made it a lot more accessible as a vaccinated player to make sure that everybody on your team has the best opportunity to win by building a, a repertoire and making sure that all everybody on the team is on the same page and they can spend all the time they want. There's no masks. There's no six-foot distance. There's no, you can't be in this room or be in this room besides the size of the room. It's going to be a huge issue, and we're going to keep an eye on it. But vaccinate vaccinations, and, and it's it's the numbers are going to come out. Most of the teams already have them out. Um, but the lowest team right now is at 64% of players are fully vaccinated. And I believe the highest is at 84%. So yes, most players are vaccinated, but you're looking at almost a third of the lowest team that's unvaccinated on a 90 man roster or even the 53 man roster of starters or players that dress. All right. Um, so Carson Wentz. So Carson, the Carson Wentz injury, he has an he had an issue since he was in high school with a bone in his foot, uh, some sort of situation where the bone got loose and it was uncomfortable. He needed surgery. So Carson Wentz 
got picked up by the Colts from the Eagles. Frank Reich got him, wanted him to lead his team because he was his coach had previously on the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be out 5 to 12 weeks after the surgery. So he has a potential to come back at earliest week 1 and at latest week 8. So this goes back to a similar situation with these insurance options I was talking about earlier. So the insur- insurance option is who are the other quarterbacks on the Colts right now? Jacob Eason? Brett Hundley? Brett Hundley came in for Aaron Rodgers when Anthony Barr broke his collarbone. And Brett Hundley went 5-11 and 11 with a team that had a decent roster. Brett Hundley is not a good quarterback. And Jacob Easton, from what I'm seeing via blogs of camp coming out of Indianapolis, is that Jacob Easton isn't ready. However, Frank Reich said he's going to roll with the current quarterbacks on the roster versus going out and picking one up. So, yes, he may be able to go pick one up. He can go get Jimmy G. He can get Gardner Minshew. He could get Nick Foles. But say Carson Wentz comes back week three, and then he's good. Now you wasted all the money you just took it took to get him. Like, you're not getting Gardner Minshew for $2 million. You're not getting Nick Foles for $2 million. You're going to have to pay these quarterbacks a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick contract, which is a one-year guaranteed 8 to $10 million. Jacoby Brissett is getting $8.5 million this year for the Dolphins, which they should consider calling him back if they want to go that route. Doesn't seem like they will, but the the insurance options are going to hurt teams that are close to the cap, and they're going to have to cut players that they don't want to cut because of injuries or because of going back to the whole COVID-19 situation. But the strangest part about this Carson Wentz injury is Quentin Nelson, their Hall of Fame guard got had the same exact injury as as Carson Wentz. The same exact one and just had surgery on it. That is insane. They're, they're so hurt on the offensive line. They're hurt at quarterback. And their best linebacker, Darius Leonard, is hurt as well going into the season and going through camp. Yes, it's just camp. It's not the actual season, but it's just as important to build a chemistry with these players so that your team is good to go. Your team is good to go. You've got the chemistry. You got the reps. Nobody's hurt going into week one. Boom, come off, come off running, running strong. The Colts are running anything but strong right now. They have the hardest schedule per PFF. They have the hardest schedule through week eight, which is potentially when Carson Wentz could come back. They could start one and seven. Their season is over if they start one and seven. Over. Especially in in that division and in the AFC. The AFC is strong this year. You can't start one and seven and beat Baltimore, Buffalo, Cleveland, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Titans. You can't you can't you can't start one and seven. You can't even start five hundred. You gotta come out hot. And the last year, the AFC, you had to win 11 games to get in. The Dolphins went 10 and six and did not make it. It was and, and the NFC eight and eight get up, got in with the Bears at the last spot. So it, the, the the Colts are hurting right now. That Nick Foles came out and said, I, I, "Nobody's called me. It's a professional relationship between me and Frank Reich. You can't get the tampering issues with that where co- head coaches are talking about players that." They may or may not pick up because they play for another team. There's a whole bunch of rules and tampering things that they could get fined for, but 
Frank Wright came on. He was on the Pat McAfee show. Frank Wright came on and said he's, he, he Carson Wentz is the leader of this team and we'll get through it until he comes back. So that's what I'm going to expect to happen until something changes. Or somebody out, somebody comes out with some more solidifying evidence that they're going to go out and grab somebody else. So a couple things from the Hall of Fame game. Uh, no big names, not no huge names, I should say. Dak was not on the field for the Cowboys, and Ben Roethlisberger was not on the field for the Steelers. However, we did see some Najee Harris, seven carries, 22 yards, and one catch for three, nothing huge. I did not think that the Steelers were going to have Deontay Johnson and Chris Claypool on the field. However, Claypool ended up being great with three catches for 62. No Juju Smith-Schuster and nobody on the Cowboys to that I even know who they are. Well, I know who they are, but nobody that the average NFL watcher would know who it is. They started a lot of receivers depth-wise, going down to the practice squad even probably. So they're trying to get some looks. Um, Dwayne Haskins for the Steelers, not too good, not too bad. I think he was 5 of 13 for like 53 yards. It's not, it wasn't serious. There was a lot of splits. A lot of splits in that game where it was equal split. Your, your quarterback throws 13. He comes out. Next quarterback comes in. What have you. But not not a not a really entertaining game. It was great for football to be back. Not a huge entertaining game. I'm not a big preseason guy either from all the years that I've been watching football. Not a huge preseason guy. I'll take a look. Some of the draft picks that I don't that wouldn't think would start or... I uh, want to take a look at something that some guy that I have no idea who he is, but there's some hype on him. But not not a real entertaining game. It's good that football's back. And with that, let's get into the AFC East divisional recap. So with the AFC East, we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. All right, so the Bills last year, solid year. They... Made it a lot farther than I thought, and Josh Allen took huge strides. So Josh Allen needs to continue his progress. When we did the recap on Mahomes, him and Mahomes are in the similar situation where are they going to stay at least steady, or are they going to continue to rise, or will there be a fall? I did not see. I don't see anything about Patrick Mahomes ever being a fall, but I can see Josh Allen falling a little. He had a great season last year running the football himself. And also throwing Stephon Diggs. They picked up Emmanuel Sanders. They got Gabriel Davis. And they have two solid tight ends. The problem is their run game. So Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are not performing. Devin Singletary was good in college. I loved him coming out. And Zach Moss was as well. Their games didn't really translate. And I don't think that the coaching in Buffalo is giving the right plays to these running backs for them to succeed. I I don't think Devin Singletary should ever run between the tackles. And I don't think Zach Moss should be taking pitches or catching the ball out of the backfield. Although we saw a lot of that last season. So they need to get solid running from their two running backs. Or Josh Allen is going to start running for his life. And the minute that he starts doing that, he has a better potential to get injured. And if Josh Allen gets injured, that team is done. That team is over. There's there's no there's no if ands or buts about it. The Buffalo Bills are done if Josh Allen Josh Allen can't perform not to the exact as same 
as he did last season, but at least close enough to what he did last season. Now, the thing that goes under the radar with most people that watch the NFL and most people that watch the Buffalo Bills, their defense is really underrated. So let's go through basically nine or ten, eight or nine of their starters on defense this season. So we got at corner, we got Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer, both dudes, amazing corners. They can both cover. They can both play man. They can both play zone. And they can both blitz if they need to. So both of those dudes, solid. So let's get down to the linebackers. So they got Tremaine Edmonds. They got Matt Milano and A.J. Klein. All three of those dudes, solid players. If we were playing Madden, they would all be rated 80 or above in my book. Maybe Madden has them rated lower. They're both solid. They both can play the. They can all play the run, and they can cover most running backs in the league, which is basically your idea of a perfect linebacker. Can you cover a tight end or a running back if they go out on a route? And can you play the run in the gaps? There you go. Boom. Done. And then we'll go out to the front. So the defensive front, they got uh, Ed Oliver and Mario Addison. Both of those players are top notch. Right, so Mario Mario Addison is their defensive end, solid, a good pass rusher, can also play the run, similar to your Daniil Hunter type player. He's he was really good in college. He's a, a taller, lankier guy, but he's got he's got enough skills to make it happen. And Ed Oliver is huge, is a huge D tackle. If I had to make a comp for Ed Oliver, it would be Aaron Hicks from the Chicago Bears. From last season, just eats Dalvin Cook alive every time I watched. He's just in the hole sitting there waiting for him. If we ran between the tackles, it was over. Ed Oliver's a good player. He's a real good player. So there you go. I mean, that's a solid defense. Their defense was very underrated last year, and they have a potential for it to be even better this year. So, I mean, if if Josh Allen could play anywhere near what he played last season and adding Emmanuel Sanders and still having Stephon Diggs there with Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. Like that's, that's pretty dynamic right there. Their offensive line needs to protect Josh Allen enough for him to make the throws he needs to make. They did do a decent job of it last year. So we'll see what happens this year, but they have a potential to challenge the chiefs to be the best in the AFC They're right now. I would consider them the second best team in the AFC behind the chiefs. They have a they they have the defense to they have the way better defense than the Chiefs. Their offense probably not as good. If you had to rank them, I would rank the Chiefs higher, but they have a potential to be really good this year. So I have the Buffalo Bills finishing this season 13 and 4. 13 and 4 for the Buffalo Bills. All right, moving on. We're going to go to Miami with the Miami Dolphins. Can Tua do it? That's the big question. And I don't want to hear any of this crap about he's still not healthy. The hip issue was an issue last year that he said he was overcoming before the end of the season. That we cannot use his health as an excuse this this season. There's no way. There's no way I will accept an excuse of using Tua's hip and him being unhealthy to describe his play this season. He needs to throw the ball down the field. He has to throw the ball down the field, and he has to do it consistently. There's no reason that he shouldn't be able to based on the people that they picked up in free agency. They have the deepest wide receiver room probably in the league. And I'm not and I'm not even – that's not an exaggeration. 
So here you go. So you got Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, who they picked who he played with at Alabama. Amazing wide receivers. Will Fuller's going to miss the first game of this season because of his PED suspension that carries over from last season. But Devontae Parker's a great player. Good 50-50 ball player. Will Fuller's a speedster, and Jalen Waddell is probably, as a rookie, he's probably a top five slot receiver in the league right now. Right now, without me even seeing him play. So to back them up is P.J. Williams, another 50-50 ball guy. Alan Hearns, who is not a scrub, but has walked, worked his way around the league. And Jakeem Grant, who is extremely fast and can return punts like no other. They are so deep, and that's not even as deep. They got Lynn Bowden, Albert Wilson, the veteran, and Isaiah Ford, who's another speedster. That's nine wide receivers. They can't even have all of them on the active roster, I don't think. I don't think they will. I've never seen a team have nine receivers on an active roster, but that's nine players that I would I would take all of those players right now on my football team. It's unbelievable. They're so deep. Speed, 50-50 balls. It's unbelievable. And they got Mike Gusecki to, to catch balls at tight end. Like, they're, they're, they're set. He has no excuse. Tua has no excuse but to perform this season. Or figure or the Dolphins are going to figure out whether they're going to keep him or not. I made a comment on, I think maybe my second podcast about Daniel Jones, about he has until, for the New York Giants, he has until Thanksgiving to prove whether or not he's going to be that quarterback or not. Right now, hot take, I'm giving Tua the same exact deal. Tua, I will know if Tua is the real deal or not by Thanksgiving. Let's see how he plays from now until Thanksgiving, including whatever he does in the preseason, in camp, and the season up until Thanksgiving. The problem is, so Tua needs help from the running backs. And the running backs are small. So we don't have a huge running back room in in Miami. So Miles Gaskin, smaller guy. He's more or less uh, Austin Eckler type. He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run between the tackles, not his forte. More of a pitch catch guy. You got Malcolm Brown from the Rams. Bigger. Six foot, 220. He's not really a pass catcher, but he didn't really have that much success at the Rams. They did, he did split carries, so I'm interested to see how he does in Miami and what they use him for. I would use him as a third down back or use him first and second down and run between the tackles. Anything you would run between the tackles with Miles Gaskin, I would just put Malcolm Brown in there and just do that. That'll work. No big deal. I think it'll be fine. I don't think they'll have an issue splitting. And then Selvin Ahmed, so... He's a small guy, too. He filled in for Gaskin when he was hurt last season. I believe, actually, Gaskin was on the COVID list. Or he had an injury. It was at least three or four weeks that Ahmed covered covered him. So, not too bad. But they need to help Tua. They need to help him grow as a player, and he needs a running game. Tua cannot just drop back and throw all day. This is not Alabama. You are not Alabama. The Miami Dolphins are not Alabama of the NFL. He is going to get destroyed if they cannot run the ball. They need to be able to run the ball. That's it. So, the defense. So, the Miami defense is solid. But they do have an issue that's going on right now. Xavier Howard is unhappy with his contract. And he's requesting a trade if he doesn't get what he wants. So, the weird part about this is, and I'm not going to go too in-depth about it, but he just restructured, I think it was last year or the year before, on an extension. 
your extension is not even halfway through. You didn't even start your extension money yet, and you're requesting another extension. Like that's not that's not gonna fly. Not in the NFL. I understand you had ten picks last season, and you played great as a corner, and you outperformed your contract, but you can't restructure it. So like say he restructured it for I think four or five years, and they're only this is the second year. Like you you can't ask for another. And I don't think they're gonna give it to him. Because they just paid Byron Jones, who's on the other side of him at corner, and Byron Jones is making more money than with more money than him, which is probably why he's so pissed. But if it's going to be a distraction for the defense, the front seven is strong. Even without Xavier Howard, their back, their back four, back five are not terrible. But it'd be way better if they had him. So they're kind of in a tough spot. Like, do you give him the restructure he wants and then lose more cap space, possibly lose depth players, or do you not? So we'll keep an eye on Xavier Howard. He hasn't re-signed as of now, but he wants a new contract and he wants to be the highest paid corner in the league. And based on last season, he should be. Ten picks. That nobody on my t- Nobody on the Vikings had more than four. So, I mean... He did outperform his contract, picked off Mahomes twice. So we'll we'll I'll take it I'll take a look at it and see if we see anything with Xavier and Howard, but the, the least amount of distractions the better for them, just based on the fact that I don't believe in Tua and I'm not gonna until he proves it. So I got the Dolphins going eleven and six this season, providing that Tua is an, a decent human football player and does not play the same way he did last year and he makes steps up. If not, I can easily see them going to nine and eight, eight and nine. If Tua ends up being, because they only have Jacoby Percent to back him up, so that's it. The Dolphins, eleven and six. I'm sticking with it. All right, moving on. New England Patriots. Everybody's question, including mine: Who is their quarterback? Is it Cam? Is it Mac? Mac Jones is the safest pick in NFL draft history. He's basically Kirk Cousins or Alex Smith. Not a huge arm. Doesn't have that much experience in college in terms of amount of games he's played. Not really that mobile. He's not really that workout-centric where he's going to be first guy in the weight room, last guy leaving the facility. It's a safe pick, but they need to figure out what they're doing because they have Cam Newton on that team. And they have Mac Jones on that team, two opposite players, which I don't think, based on what I've seen so far, that will split time. And if you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have a single one in the NFL. This isn't college. This isn't Oregon. We're not running the we're not running the pistol every every snap. Or when we're not running the pistol, we're bringing in two quarterbacks. It's not happening. So if it were me, I would bring Cam in until Cam proves that last season was a fluke and he can still actually throw the ball more than 10 yards and stop skipping it at people's feet and let Mac Jones figure out the offense longer. He needs more time. I don't think Mac's ready for it right now. But you're going to have to make a decision and you're going to have to say, wow, we're going to go with him or we're going to go with him. And you you better pick the right one because if not, it's once you tell the other dude, sit down, you want to bring him in, his confidence is blown. So we'll keep an eye on that. But Cam on a short leash and Mac needing more time could equal a diabolical situation in New England for Bill Belichick. 
So they basically revamped their entire wide receiver core or any pass catcher, to be honest with you. So they got Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar at wide receiver, and then they got Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith at tight end. So they had zero tight ends last year, and Bill Belichick on TV in an interview proved that he blew a blew two picks by the two tight ends he picked last season. Didn't work out. Also, all of the wide receivers on the Patriots last season were terrible. Terrible. So Kendrick Bourne, decent route runner. Not really your, like, he's like a third wide receiver on any other team. And Nelson Aguilar, who is a big deep threat, but his route running is not that good. And he's also not a volume pass catcher, which is doesn't they don't necessarily need a volume pass catcher because of the tight end strength they have but Nelson Aguilar had a good season last season he was pretty much terrible in Philadelphia he went to the Raiders and somehow figured it out I mean I don't believe in I think the tight ends can carry that that team and I honestly think the tight ends will have more they'll have more targets than the wide receivers this season but we'll see um, they're def- they've definitely upgraded. There's no way they haven't upgraded. So I'll give it to them on that. They definitely upgraded their pass catching. So we'll see what happens with their offense. Damian Harris is going to take most of the, the rushes this season at running back. Rex Burkhead's gone. I believe James White is still there. Don't quote me on that, but I believe James White is still there. So th- they have a decent amount of, of firepower to come out swinging and we'll see what happens but I'm interested to see what they do with this quarterback situation so they had the most opt-outs for COVID last season they had eight people opt out so two offensive linemen Marquise Lee a, a pretty decent underrated wide receiver from Jacksonville he got traded there and then opted out for COVID and also Dante Hightower which is basically the center of their defense Patrick Chung retired, so he's not coming back. He was a huge player, too, back at safety. Patrick Chung was a, an awesome player, and I used to hate to admit it because he used to play for the for the Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, basically from Pennsylvania, everybody's an Eagles homer around here. So the fact that if you, if you put anything against an Eagles homer, it never works. So sorry for all you Eagles homers out there. I don't hate y'all. It's just some of you pressed my buttons, including my uncle. But that's a story for another day. So, can Bill Belichick prove that he can win without Tom Brady? Tom Brady is out on top out of this Belichick versus Brady debate. 100% Tom Brady. He went to a 7-9 team, recruited a few players, took this team with no preseason, no camp, no nothing, and took them to the Super Bowl and won it. Impressive. I hate saying that, but Tom Brady was damn impressive last season. But Bill Belichick can coach. He's not a he's not a bad coach. He's a weird dude. Communicates weird. So do a lot of people. But let's see if he can beat that. Can he make a decision at quarterback and stick to it without going back and forth? Can he do it? Because he's got to evaluate him and he's got to do it quick. You got to say this is my starter for week one, and I'm sticking with it until they prove that they can't handle it. You can't be going back and forth. It can't be indecisive. It's got to be, boom, this is the person doing it. Boom, you're the backup. That's it. Now, if it were me, like I said, I would start Cam Newton. Give him a shot. He got COVID last year. When he came back, he wasn't the same. You can look at tape. He wasn't the same after COVID. And that, and, and based on some of the, the people that are coming out after, some of the people that have had COVID have had these symptoms of being lethargic, 
not being able to work out as much, not not having the strength to go through what a normal NFL player would go through. So we'll see what happens. They need, the Patriots have one more thing that they definitely need to do. And they definitely need to be able to run the football. Every team has to, but they really do. Because with the fact that Mac Jones is not a polished quarterback and Cam Newton's arm the past year, two years, has not been what it used to once be, they need to be able to run the football in this division. Or Miami and the and Buffalo will eat them alive, which is exactly what I believe will happen. I don't think I don't think with this team the way it's currently set up that they're built for success. That's why I have the 2021 New England Patriots going eight and nine. Eight and nine, possibly seven and ten, depending on who Bill Belichick starts at quarterback. All right, last team in the division, the New York Jets. So, like everybody else, and this is the major question, is Zach Wilson a boom or a bust? Can he break out this season, or is he going to bust? Now, Zach Wilson is probably the worst quarterback in terms of bust potential out of all the quarterbacks taken in the first round. He will bust. He has a better percentage, I should say, of busting before any quarterback taken in the first round, and that includes Mac Jones. So Mac Jones is a safe pick. I'd rather have Mac Jones on my team than than Zach Wilson. I am not a very risky person. This is a very risky player. He built all of his tape off of extending plays because his offensive line couldn't block and getting rid of it and just chucking it deep and his wide receivers catching it. He basically looked like Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M and in the NFL, to be quite frank. He is a very, very bust potential player. I think he's going to bust, and that's sad because they made a lot of good pickups on this team. They got Corey Davis. They drafted Elijah Moore. They got Michael Carter to start. He's going to start at running back, the rookie. And Keelan Cole from Jacksonville. He's got a lot of weapons. And Chris Herndon at tight end. So he's got a lot of weapons. This man has a lot of weapons. And I think for some reason, I feel him busting hard. He's, he, he's It's not going to be good. He's going to come out and start trying to do crazy plays for no reason. Now, the one way I think that this could be salvaged is that that offensive line gives him, time, gives him enough time so that he doesn't have to create these plays. He just does. He calls the play, executes the play. He didn't have that potential. And I didn't see that from his tape at BYU. Their offensive line was subpar. So we'll see what happens with that. I I don't see Zach Wilson taking off. I, I, and they don't have a backup for him. Like, they don't have a, a veteran presence on that team at quarterback. It's Zach Wilson leading the team. And he's just got drafted. So it's a lot of responsibility. He's in New York. There's going to be a spotlight on him from game one to game 18. He's gonna be, there's going to be a spotlight on his face the entire time. That New York media is going to eat him alive. And for those reasons, I have the Jets going 5-12, and 12, and they will finish in the basement of the AFC East. All right, guys, that's the end of this divisional recap. 
I want to thank everybody who's listened once again on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, the All In Man Cave podcast. You'll see my cool logo there with all the sports logos on it. So I want to thank you guys once again. I appreciate everyone who listens. I love talking football, and football is back again, baby. So let's do this. Uh, Once football season gets started with the regular season, I'm going to try and do an episode every other day or every day. We'll get some cool breakdowns. We'll do some fantasy stuff. We'll do some trades. We'll do some potential trades. I'll bring some more people on, some of my friends that I really appreciate wanting to be on the podcast. So really hoping to still get on Pandora and Apple Apple Podcasts. I'll let you guys know, give you any updates on that as well. Still planning on making an Instagram for the for the pod as well for all you guys who have questions. I want to do a mailbag at some point, and I need you guys to have an available location to, to put questions up so I can answer your questions uh, live on air. So definitely looking forward to doing that. Uh, once I get the Instagram set up, the name and everything, I'll make sure that you guys have the name and everything so that you guys can find it easily. But thank you so much. I appreciate it. Let's get ready for some football, baby. It's back. We got a football game every week from now until February. So get psyched for it, everybody. Appreciate it. And once again, like I always say, have a good day. Peace.